Hey guys, Uncle Cosmonaut here. Now, I'm going to level with you guys right now. Last year, I planned on making a video titled Why the Marvel Universe Sucks or The Problem with the Marvel Universe. And you know what? Something magical happened to me. I had so much to say. I was going to talk about how all these movies are the same, how they're all so unoriginal, but I couldn't do it. You want to know why? Because I saw Infinity War four times. And you know what? I'd probably see it a fifth time. Yeah, if anybody wants to go see it with me, um, I'm free all weekend. So you know what? I'm not feeling mean today. I'm not feeling bitter. No, no, no. Today we're gonna do something different. Today we're gonna be nice. Or we're gonna, we're gonna try our best to be nice. So you know what? Today we are going to review every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie ever made. On this little flash drive here, I have all of the movies, even the ones I don't really like that much. Now before we start, I'm gonna have to set some rules, okay? So listen up. I'm going to be going in release order. That means we're gonna go from Iron Man 1 all the way to Black Panther. No, I'm not doing Infinity War because I literally reviewed that movie like a week ago. Now yeah, I did review Black Panther and Homecoming and some of the other movies, but we're gonna be revisiting them to see if my opinion has changed at all because I've really only watched most of these movies one time. I've never really gone back to rewatch any of them. You guys should probably buckle up because I think this is going to be the longest video yet. So let's start things off and dive right into Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1 actually isn't really that bad. I mean, go figure. It's actually pretty good. Now I'll be real with you guys. I never really liked Iron Man that much. I don't even like him in the comics. I'll be reading New Avengers and it's all dark and depressing. And Tony Stark's over here making jokes and ruining everybody's mood. Listen, man, you really gotta grow up. Tony Stark is a huge asshole, and it took the movies like eight years to figure this out. Now, this is before the Marvel movies got all quippy and jokey, so instead of being funny, Tony's kind of just a jackass. No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. When I saw this movie, I did not like it at all. But I was also like 15 at the time, I think. I'm not gonna do the math. So I wasn't nearly as critical about movies back then. But to be honest, that's not really fair because this movie is actually decent. Watching this movie with today's current context is actually pretty fun. In the new movies, Tony's basically fucking invincible. He's got robots everywhere. He never seems to be in much danger. Compare this to the first scene of this movie where we can clearly see how he reacts when he's in a helpless situation. He doesn't even need to put his suit on in the new movies. It's cause it's like grafted onto his skin and shit like in the comics. So it makes scenes like this a lot of fun to revisit. Remember when it took him a while to get everything done? Remember when he could barely fucking fly? I mean, I think the new Iron Man stuff is pretty cool, but I've also grown an appreciation for this movie just because it's really cute in comparison. Plus, the story is also engaging, to a certain degree. The first act takes its time telling the story about how Tony breaks out of his captivity. It takes him a long ass time before he gets back to America, and that's a good thing. It makes the situation feel more desperate and dire. Tony returning to society with a new outlook on life offers a good little character arc for him. Plus, we get a lot of scenes about him making his first suit. Remember in superhero movies when we had montages of the hero making their costume and training? Yeah, I miss that shit. Also, real quick, I love the scene when he goes back to the Middle East just to exact his revenge on the terrorists who kidnapped him earlier in the movie. Like, he goes fucking nuts. He's a straight savage in this scene. Yo! Yo, holy shit, he dead! However, this movie is not perfect, and that is because of the third act is fucking horrible. The last chunk of this movie goes down the toilet 
pretty hard. This is because of giant robot Jeff Bridges. This movie drops the ball by making Jeff Bridges the main villain. His motivations are there, yeah, but this isn't the kind of movie that needed a big dumb supervillain in a giant robot suit. His plan also makes absolutely no sense. That's because he doesn't have a plan. He kind of just gets annoyed and then he jumps in the suit and he tries to kill Tony and Pepper Potts. He also tries to kill a car full of innocent people. I don't understand his plan. He wants to take over Tony's company, but doing stuff like this is just going to get you sent to prison. What are you, <laughs> what are you trying to do? Now this is a problem that a lot of these movies have if we're being honest. Most of the Marvel movies in this video are going to fall victim to the shitty, messy third act dilemma. So we're going to make a code name for it from here on out. We're gonna call this the Evil Robot Jeff Bridges Problem, or the ERJB for short. So anyway, despite the shitty last chunk of this movie, I think it's a pretty fun flick. It's got some interesting characters. Coulson's actually really important, which is weird, but it's cool. Tony and Pepper actually have the most chemistry in this movie out of the whole series. There are fun action sequences, and this movie has probably my third favorite ending in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, only because they end this movie with Iron Man by Black Sabbath. They didn't have to do that, but they did that. They did that for us. Seven out of 10, not bad. Kill power. So, um, the next movie is Incredible Hulk. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk is probably the most out of place movie in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, for obvious reasons. It's the only one made by Universal, and it has a super weird tone throughout the movie which makes it not feel like the rest of the movies in Phase 1. Edward Norton was obviously replaced by Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk for the rest of the movies, and I think that's probably a good thing. Now, Norton isn't really bad in this movie, but he's pretty forgettable. He's really not bringing anything interesting to the table here. His line delivery is kind of flat and boring, but for some movies that works. I'm gonna change my answer, in fact. This is my real job, Scoutmaster Troop 55. A math teacher on the side. In this movie, he's just playing a guy like a normal guy. The good thing about Mark Ruffalo is that he adds a vulnerability and a bit of mystery to the character. He adds a little bit of Dr. Jekyll to the role, if you know what I mean. But Edward Norton is playing a regular fucking guy. You are the man. Also, Tim Roth is in this movie, and he kills a dog. <laughs> now, we're supposed to believe that Tim Roth is this highly trained super soldier, but then we see him with his shirt off, and he has a serious case of dad bod. One weird thing about this movie that I should probably mention is that the soundtrack is actually strangely good. Like while Bruce Banner is hiding in Brazil, the soundtrack takes a lot of unique percussion during the tense scenes. And then there are just really nice pieces of the soundtrack that straight up make the movie more enjoyable to watch. It's sad that people didn't watch this movie because the soundtrack's actually pretty good. It's like the only good thing about the movie, if we're being honest. So anyway, let's talk about the actual content of the movie. The worst thing about this movie, and you've probably noticed already, the effects are shit. They look like garbage. Now yeah, I expected some of these movies to have pretty dated effects, but most of them actually looked pretty good except for this one. Now the effects are even worse when put next to normal footage, and I'm not talking about having CGI ugly Hulk next to Arwen. That's obviously going to look bad, but whenever the shot changes between an entirely CG shot to a normal natural shot, it's really weird looking. It's super jarring. Honestly, this movie's at its best when Hulk isn't fucking in it, which is a bummer because 
it's a Hulk movie. It's also a bummer because the actors aren't doing a very good job. I don't really feel comfortable calling Liv Tyler a bad actress because I haven't really seen her in anything except for that one movie. You may have heard of it. However, she is just fucking horrible in this film. She like whispers all of her fucking lines in this breathy, airy voice. But then there's this really hilarious scene where she just starts screaming out of nowhere. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so out of character for her too. Like this is the only time she screams. It's really weird. Do it. Do it. This is just a weird movie. Like overall, this whole movie is just weird. There's this really odd scene where the two main villains are talking and nobody's mouths are moving. How do you feel? See back on your feet, soldier. Thank you, sir. What the fuck is up with that? There's also a shitload of fan service, and it's kind of obnoxious. Like, they thought people were gonna go into this movie and lose their shit if they saw him holding up a pair of purple pants. Look how long this scene goes on for. What? Now, this movie does kind of have an ERJB. Tim Roth turns into a giant fucking ghoul and he destroys the city, but it's actually sort of justified in the story and it's built up naturally. I mean, he doesn't have motivations because he's just kind of crazy, so this result doesn't even bother me that much. However, the problem with the final battle is that it looks so bad that I can't even tell what the fuck is happening half of the time. Any last words? I seriously can't make this shit up. One last thing worth noting, there is no post credit scene for this movie. This is the only one without a post credit scene. Tony Stark just shows up as the last scene. I guess they weren't that confident that they'd get people to sit through the credits. So yeah, this movie's fucking strange. Get drunk and watch it with your friends, four out of 10. You are the man. Iron Man 2 is fucking boring. I don't have a lot to say about this one. It's probably the most forgettable movie in phase one. The most important elements are the introduction of Scarlett Johansson and Tony replacing his heart with a new heart. Sorry, circles. Triangles are my new best friends. So Mickey Rourke is in this movie, and he's not doing a very good job. You want a bird? I want my bird. I can get you a bird, I can get you ten birds. I want my bird. There really isn't a lot going on in this movie, if we're being completely honest. I actually like the scenes of Tony being an emotional wreck, but that doesn't really last that long. These scenes are a lot of fun, but I feel like the rest of the story should have been more cleanly woven around these elements. This should have been a movie solely about Tony not trying to die of heart shrapnel. That was really hard to say. Heart shrapnel. Heart heart. Instead, we get this stupid plot line about how the government is mad at him and Pepper is stressed at her new job. No. And Nick Fury is doing something and this fucking guy is being a jackass the whole time. We got this all the way from Russia. And he's the main villain and I hate him. Do you feel bad? Good. Cause that's how I feel. Now probably my main problem with this movie is the main conflict. Let me try to explain it because it's a little weird and it's kind of stupid. So the government gets mad at Tony because he owns a weapon of mass destruction. But he's like, it's okay, I'm the only guy who knows how to make Iron Man suits, so you guys don't have to worry about it, it's totally safe. So then the government is like, oh okay, we believe you, that makes sense, and then they leave him alone. First of all, I don't know how many of you live in America, but that's not how it works. So then Mickey Rourke comes out and he attacks a bunch of people with his little whip machine, 
and the government's like, hey, Tony, you said nobody could make Iron Man technology. We're really mad at you right now. You were full of shit, and now we're pissed off. Except, like, his little whipping machine isn't really on the same level as an Iron Man suit. Like, Tony basically says, nobody's gonna have the resources and the skill to do what I do. And he was still right. So why are they mad at him? He wasn't lying. So Whiplash's plan is to get revenge on Tony Stark. So he goes out to the racetrack to kill Tony Stark, but Tony literally decided to go out on the racetrack at the last minute, like it was a spontaneous decision. How did Mickey Rourke know that Tony was going to be out there? So then Mickey Rourke makes this big-ass Iron Man drone army, and they attack a bunch of people at Tony's big convention. So realistically, people would be really fucking mad at Tony now, because it looked like he was basically endorsing these things before they turned on and went haywire. But no, everybody thanks him for stopping the evil robot threat, and the movie ends. What? Why is everybody cool with this now? The government was literally just mad at Tony because he lied. So I don't know, this movie's dumb and it's boring and it has like two good scenes. All right, four out of 10, let's watch Thor. I like this drink. Another, please. Get it? That's what he says in the, in the, okay, whatever. Now this is gonna be a personal one because I really don't like this movie. Thor 1 is my least favorite movie in phase one and I do not say that lightly. Revisiting these movies has mostly been charming and fun but this movie really, really bored me. Like, I really wanted to turn it off. In this movie, we watch Thor jerk off in the desert with Padme for two hours while Loki whines on Asgard. Now, you may notice that this movie also has fucking Dutch angles. Y'all know I hate Dutch angles. I hate these stupid, ugly, tilted angles. Just film it like a normal person. Look at these shots. Even the establishing shots are Dutch angles. Just looks like an amateur did this. So anyway, on to the real meat of this movie. This movie introduces Thor before he started dyeing his beard, plus a supporting cast of people who aren't even in the fucking movies anymore. I love this scene at the 15 minute mark where Thor is like, hey guys, you're all my friends, and the audience should really care about you, because we are friends. My friends, have you forgotten all that we have done together? Thandral, Hogan, who led you into the most glorious battles. This movie has a lot of shit to explain to the audience, okay? I understand that. I'm not saying that exposition is a bad idea. I'm saying that you have to do it well. Like, look at how they explain teleportation with the Bifrost. Couldn't you just leave the bridge open for us? Leave the bridge open would unleash the full power of the Bifrost and destroy Jotunheim with you upon it. Why the fuck would any of these guys not know how the main teleporter works? It makes no sense that this man is explaining it to them. They probably know this. They are 15,000 years old. They know how the Bifrost works. This is bad exposition. And this movie is full of shit like this. So in this movie, Thor goes around and he slaughters some White Walkers for no reason. Even though his dad told him that he wasn't allowed to be a fucking psychotic maniac. So he loses the hammer and he gets kicked out of Asgard for being a bad boy. Now here's the problem with Thor stories. Thor is really fucking strong, like insanely strong. When he has the hammer, he is basically unstoppable. So how do you write a story about an unstoppable demigod? Well, you take away his powers and you give him a human girlfriend to worry about. Wait, what? A good writer can figure out new shit for Thor to deal with. The best thing Ragnarok did was take Thor down a few notches. The Thor of the current Marvel Cinematic Universe is way different than the guy in this movie. 
He's kind of a big dumb brute, but he also carries with him a lot of pain and determination. Now in Captain America movies and Iron Man movies, you see the arc of these characters naturally occur in front of you. With Thor, it's like they didn't even know what to fucking do with him until Taika came along and was like, Hey man, you're not doing that right. Here's how you do it. That's as good as that accent is gonna get. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. Now once Thor gets down to Earth, this movie is completely different because now the movie is funny. <laughs> now, I think this movie might be more interesting if they filmed all the Earth scenes in a different city. New Mexico is not a good setting for an action-adventure movie. It's a good setting for Breaking Bad. The locations in this movie are either really pretty CG Asgard or ugly-ass New Mexico. I get that that's the point, like you're supposed to compare the two, and in the beginning of this movie the setting hasn't really gotten annoying yet, but it gets old really fast. Everything gets old really fast. If this movie was like 30 minutes shorter, I'd probably like it way more. See, in this scene, Anthony Hopkins gets really bored with the movie and he just falls asleep. That's just proof right there. Also, I think now is probably a good time to mention my favorite cliché in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because this is a cliché that I first noticed with this movie, and it has remained a staple since. I call it the mandatory Marvel movie shirtless scene. Baby, can't you see? I'm calling. A like you should wear a In the bars of a regular cell when he woke up high in collectible hell. Boomtown kid, it was taught by the binge that a man would expire with the most shit win. That's for be American nonsense, pen by the bricks, not a routine frame than a pinch. If you ever wonder why I say these movies are all the same, just please refer back to that montage. Thank you. Now it's hard hating this movie because a lot of it is admittedly personal preference. For me, this movie is just everything that I don't find fun about these movies. I'm of the opinion that Natalie Portman is not a very good actress. That's just me. Please do not yell at me for saying that. I just feel like she's always holding something back in her performances. In this movie, her character also bugs me a lot. She's supposed to be like a smart scientist girl, but she's really fucking stupid. Any sane person would never talk to or hang out with Thor because he is a crazy person. You think you're just gonna walk in, grab our stuff and walk out? No, I'm gonna fly out. Like to a regular earthling, this guy would seem like a nut job. <laughs> but she thinks he's cute, so she drops everything for him. Like a Einstein Rosenbridge? More like a rainbow bridge. Baby, he's clearly crazy. I don't know why you think otherwise. I love how Jeremy Renner is introduced in this movie with a little cameo, and he literally doesn't do anything. Like, he climbs up on his little perch, he draws his bow, and then that's it. That's all he does. Now, I know people bust a nut over Loki, but in this movie, he's kind of unintentionally hilarious. I don't know. I know this is super personal, but I just think he's so goofy in this movie. Like, when he throws himself into the black hole at the end of the movie, I seriously crack up. <laughs> now I can nitpick and complain about this movie all day, but I think you guys get the idea. I just don't like this movie. It's not as bad as Thor 2, but it still isn't very good. 4 out of 10. Um, up next is Captain America, the first guy. Now, I thought I liked this movie. I really did. I thought that I liked it back when it came out. I remember for some reason I enjoyed it. I think I was on fucking drugs because this movie is really bad. It's not horrible. It's really not the worst movie in the bunch, but it's got some really dumb shit in it. The thing is, it has some really awesome elements in the first half, but once Captain America rescues Bucky in the halfway point of the movie, it just kind of goes crazy from there. And I know I've said most of these movies end up going crazy in the third act, 
but this time, I really mean it. This movie goes fucking nuts. Now the stuff I like about this movie is that the first half is basically a character study on Steve Rogers. You follow him on this super intimate personal journey, you see his ambition and his frustration. There's that really good scene where he jumps on the dummy grenade because he thinks it's real. Like it's seriously his natural instinct to just die for everybody else. That's beautiful. I love the scenes where you see him gumming it up as a mascot for war bonds, how he gets frustrated at the fact that he can't actually help and make a real difference. His romance with Peggy is kind of cute because you can tell that he doesn't really know how to talk to girls because he doesn't realize how hot he is now. I'm telling you, the first act of this movie is so good. I really wish the entire movie was like that. If you ask me, Captain America is the most interesting person in the whole series. He's the only character whose personality never changes because his personality is already perfect. That could be the subject of a really interesting movie, but all these movies are just action movies. They're like spy films or dumb big explosion movies. They never really work on focusing on his character, and that's really disappointing to me. This movie really has a serious case of the ERJBs. This movie is seriously bogged down by the Red Skull bullshit. It goes from being an introspective, heartfelt story to an over-the-top, dumb explosion movie. It's like they thought it would be too boring if it was just about Steve Rogers learning how to find his place in the world. I mean, I would've liked that. This movie also has the same problem as Thor 1, which are the dumbass, pointless side characters. I can't be bothered to care about these stupid, pointless... Wait a minute. He is an expert marksman. Huh. Means he shoots people. Oh. What was I saying? Um, anyway, this movie does lead to Cap getting left in the modern world, which is still a really cool ending. Plus, even though this movie sucks for like 50% of the runtime, it still has my favorite ending of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Period. The last line gives me chills. It is that good. Right before Steve crashes, he finally sets up plans to take Peggy out on a date. It's really moving because we spent a good amount of time establishing these two as a couple, even though we know they aren't going to get together. A week next Saturday at the Stork Club. You got it. Then when Cap wakes up in the future, he goes a little crazy, and this is how the movie ends. You gonna be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I had a date. It cuts to black. Tell me that isn't powerful. That's the best ending ever. And this is the most annoying thing about this movie. It has so many good things in it, but they are hiding. They're hiding under dumb shit. Five out of ten, wasted potential. What do I have to watch now? What? It's Avengers? Oh. Okay. Now, if you ask me, this is when these movies got good. I remember when this movie came out and everybody and their mom saw it. It started a revolution. It changed superhero movies. I think this is probably the most significant superhero movie of all time. You wanna know why Avengers 1 is so good? It's good because it is not very good. This movie is corny as hell. I remember when I was in the theater on opening day, I seriously thought the first five minutes were horrible, and I still do. The beginning of this movie is strangely terrible. I actually remember my face when the title card came up. I was looking at my friends, I was like, guys, I think this movie, I think it, this movie might be bad. This movie is schlock. It's corny, it's stupid. 
and it's somehow really awesome. Look at these boring shots and color grading. Everything is lit like a bad TV show. The writing in some of these scenes is like abysmal. We need a plan of attack. I have a plan. Attack. Mmm. Mm-mm. By all accounts, this movie should be bad, but somehow it isn't because this movie has the opposite problem that the other movies have. This movie kind of stumbles in its first few steps, but then it picks up the pace pretty quickly. Once the scene at the fancy party happens, this movie is way more fun and creative. I like that little scene where that old German guy doesn't kneel to Loki. That didn't have to be in the movie, but it's cute. I like it. I like it. The writing is lame a lot of the time, but it's really reminiscent of a comic book. Corny lines and everything. I think a majority of the writing is actually pretty decent. Somehow it's like my third or fourth time watching this movie, and there are still lines that get a chuckle out of me. When he's not that thing, though, guy's like a Stephen Hawking. He's like a smart person. The main actors are also doing a fantastic job. It should be illegal for this many A-list actors to have such good chemistry with each other. I love how Bruce Banner's just nervously walking around the whole movie like he's afraid he's gonna bump into something and accidentally explode. These characters are what make this movie not shitty. Without them, you have a pretty average action movie, but these characters elevate it into the most fun superhero movie ever. Now, I've always been of the opinion that the fight choreography in Marvel movies is actually pretty bad. It's usually lacking, like really lacking. Y'all know I don't like the DC movies, but at least the action scenes are well choreographed and well shot. My main thing is that you can really feel the impact behind their attacks in those movies. You really feel like they knock them the fuck out. In these movies, the camera is moving so fast and the attacks barely connect. You can see here, this guy gets incapacitated with the flowery scent of Scarlett Johansson's hair. But this movie also introduces something that the DC movies don't have. Combo attacks and team-ups. Where these movies lack in individual fight scenes, they shine when the characters are either fighting each other or fighting with each other. This movie introduces that and these team-up fights are always among the best parts of these movies. Even the movies I don't like have some really fun scenes because of this. As a result, I will take shit like this over this any day. And that's why this movie works. These characters are cohesive. They work together. We like them because they're fun to watch. When there's a bad joke or the story doesn't make any sense, people don't give a shit because it's just fun watching these people do things. Avengers works because of shit like this. I was gonna make this video complaining about these movies, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, when they're bad, they're still a lot of fun, just like comic books. Eight out of 10, fun as hell. So uh, that's it for phase one. Um, I think about 25% of that experience was actually good. And, um, this video is getting kind of long, and, um, I drank a, lo a little bit, I drank a lot of stuff, so I think I'm gonna take a quick nap. I set an alarm, so don't let me sleep for more than an hour, okay guys? Wake me up in an hour, and I'll, I'll finish, I'll finish the video. I'll talk about Civil War if you want. Me too. Night, night. <sighs> Iron Man 3 is really good. So yeah, here's the thing. When I went into this project, there were only three Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that I had never seen. 
Iron Man 3, Thor 2, and Ant-Man. Yeah, I kinda mentally checked out for most of Phase 2. In my mind, I assumed nothing was gonna top the first Avengers. So this is my first time watching some of these movies, and I gotta say, for this one, I am pleasantly surprised. Everyone I knew told me that this movie sucked ass. When it came out, I asked my friends who saw it if I should watch it myself, and they said no. They said it's not that good. This is one of the best Marvel movies, if you ask me. And I'm not joking. I feel like I have to explain myself because it's a pretty bold claim, but I'm gonna try my best. First of all, it's directed by Shane Black, who is super underrated. He makes really good movies. If you haven't seen The Nice Guys, you're missing out. You should probably go watch it. Right, look, when you're talking to your doctor, just tell him you have a spiral fracture of the left radius. No! No! Deep breath. No! Plus, he's directed Robert Downey Jr. before the Iron Man movies even started. Shane Black is pretty good with actors, so the performances here are all pretty good. He also is good at intercutting action into a story in a way that makes sense. But I'll get to that in a little bit. Now this movie's got a pretty good tone. I thought it was going to be all dark and edgy when I looked at the poster and the trailers, but it's fairly well balanced. It feels very comic booky. It's kind of goofy and fun. One kind of weird thing though is that this movie is completely useless when you compare it to the rest of the cinematic universe. Nothing really happens in this one that affects the rest of the franchise. But you know what? I actually don't mind. If you look at this movie as a kind of standalone, fun action-adventure movie, it works way better. I don't need to think about where Nick Fury is or what Captain America's doing, just let me have fun! Okay, that's what Iron Man 3 is. It's weaponized fun. So real quick, let's talk about the dumb shit that's in this movie. Because, as usual, there's some dumb shit. So in this movie, Tony tells the main villain his home address because he kind of gets mad at him. He's like, hey, come get me. This is where I live, you son of a bitch. I'm not upset that Tony Stark told the main villain his home address. That's something that Tony Stark would do. Besides, I think if the main villain is so smart, it wouldn't really be hard to find Tony's home address. It's not like he exactly tried to hide it before. What does bug me is that he won't let Pepper leave the house even though she reasonably doesn't want to be there when it's the target of a terrorist attack. We're going out of town. Okay, we've been through this. Nope. Yep. The man says no. Why are you putting her life at risk? What's wrong with you? I find this to be completely out of character for him. So then his ex-girlfriend comes to visit around the same time, and while Tony and Pepper are arguing about dumb shit, she notices a fucking missile coming at the house. And this is how she reacts. Scott, can we, um, what? Do we need to worry about that? That's kind of a calm reaction. I'd be running and screaming if I were you. Oh wait, maybe she didn't warn them because she's evil and she's working with the bad guys? Well then why would you go to his house if you know there's a missile that's gonna hit it? That seems like a kind of big risk. Also, there's this really weird interaction with Tony Stark and this little kid. So Tony Stark breaks into this kid's house and the kid is like, who the fuck are you? And I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck doesn't know who Tony Stark is? Oh well, he's a kid. Maybe he doesn't know who Tony Stark is. Fine, I'll excuse it. But then he says this. That's, is that Iron Man? So wait, you know who Iron Man is, but not Tony Stark? Are you like stupid or something? And then he says this. Technically, you're dead. So wait, you do know Tony Stark? What the fuck? And then, and then this happens. What's your name? Harley. And you're... The mechanic. Tony. Do you know Tony Stark or not? What is happening? Now, while this kid isn't really that great, he's not awful either. Like, I've seen way worse child actors. He doesn't bother me that much. 
Well, my mom already left for the diner, and Dad went to 7-Eleven to get scratchers. I, I guess he won, because that was six years ago. Hmm. Which happens, Dad's leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Here's what I need. Now, probably my favorite thing in this movie is the action. The thing is, the action is exactly how I like it in these movies. It's only around when absolutely necessary. Too many of these movies just throw in fights and dumb action in order to keep the audience interested. I'm looking at you. But this one foregoes that in order to have action that services the story. As such, it has my favorite Iron Man action scenes ever. Tony fighting off helicopters in his crumbling house without use of his missiles or flight systems. That is so much fun to watch. That's like a level in Uncharted. We get this insane scene where he has to fight off this Terminator chick without his suit while handcuffed. Tony has to find out how to kill this lady with just his ingenuity. And if you ask me, that's his superpower, not the suit. I like action scenes like this because it's more than just watching our hero do karate against another guy who's doing karate. It forces our character to solve problems in creative ways. This shit is awesome. I don't know why more Marvel movies don't do this. And even when Tony has his suit, it's engaging. He fucking kills a dude by shooting him through the chest with his unibeam. That's just so cool. I'm sorry. I don't have to have a reason to like that. It's just cool. Instead of the climax being a big dumb fight between two robots, it has Tony mobilizing his entire Iron Man army so that he can jump between the suits, since the bad guy can just break his suits with like no effort. This shit is so fun! Why didn't anybody tell me that this movie is fun? Plus, you get a scene of Tony saving like 13 dudes who are falling out of an airplane. Like, that is my secret kink. Give me a scene of the hero saving people. That's all I ask. Remember how in both of the other movies, the main villain just shows up out of nowhere with a big robot suit that they built off screen? Well, this movie doesn't have that. However, in all fairness, I'm gonna have to classify the evil nanomachine explosion squad as a full-on ERJB. It's not really clear why these guys are super evil. Like, this guy's motivations are clear. The main villain, we know why he's upset. But his lackeys... They don't have any motivation at all. It's completely non-existent. So yeah, these villains are really cartoonish, but at least they're consistently cartoonish. Even when crazy, silly shit happens, this movie is still self-aware. You, you breathe fire? Now the last thing I'm gonna talk about in this movie is the twist about the Mandarin. In this movie, they take the classic comic book villain, the Mandarin, and they change it up a little bit. The Mandarin's not who you think it is. Don't hurt the face! I'm an actor! No, oh, my stupid, corny, cartoon villain wasn't represented the same way he was in the comics! Yeah, well, get over it, alright? If you bitch about this movie but you like Guardians of the Galaxy, then you're an idiot, because everybody in that movie is completely different than they are in the comics. Star-Lord's dad is an ego, and he doesn't have powerful demigod abilities. This whole movie is basically completely made up. Changing the characters to service the narrative of these new stories is acceptable in my opinion, as long as you do it right. I read a lot of comics, and if I got mad every time something was different, I would have died of a heart attack back when I saw Fantastic Four. If you saw this movie when it was released and you didn't like it, I implore you you to revisit it. I swear it's probably better than you remember. These movies are usually predictable and corny, and this is the first Marvel sequel that decided to go in a completely new direction, and I totally respect it for that. Even if everything doesn't work, it's still fun to watch the entire way through. So 8 out of 10, a pleasant surprise. 
Honestly, I hate working here. They are so weird. So that was pretty great, right? Phase two, off to a pretty good start, all right? So what do we have to watch next? Let's look. Thor 2 is so whack. Now I know I said in the last video that Thor 1 was not as bad as Thor 2, but now that I really think about it, I do think I was wrong. This one is like 10% better, but that's not a big compliment. It's effectively the same level of shittiness as Thor 1, except you don't have the Dutch angles, so hey, I'll take it. The characters in this movie are absolutely horrible. Anybody who's not named Thor or Loki is an insufferable piece of shit. Padme is still whack. The bad guys are still whack. Thor's stupid fucking friends are whack. Kat Dennings is still not funny. Getting weird now. The jokes are just horrible. Every bit of writing in this movie just sucks. Even the normal interactions are awkward. I think I'm gonna have the sea bass. Sea bass, yeah, sea bass is good. Sea bass, sea bass, sea bass, sea bass, sea bass, sea bass, sea bass. Sea. I swear, you could watch this movie with the audio turned off and you would still know what's happening. That's how worthless the script is. Nothing in this movie really matters that much. Thor's mom dies, which doesn't really matter because I don't think Thor even says two words to the lady. Oh no, he's so sad. I guess I should mention some good things in the movie. Uh, the effects are good. Um, I like this scene where Loki turns into Captain America. With the confidence, I can feel the righteousness surging. This is kind of a backhanded compliment, but I think Anthony Hopkins is hilarious in this movie. Like, he just keeps screaming in every scene that he's in, and it just makes me laugh every time. Your birthright was to die as many as are needed. I really can't say anything else about this movie. It is that mediocre. There's nothing to make fun of. It's just meh. These movies are at their worst when they are forgettable. I just watched this movie and I legitimately don't remember anything about it. This is the weakest movie in phase two and it's one of the worst movies in the entire MCU. Five out of 10, four out of 10, I don't know, one of them, five or four out of 10, it, I don't care, it sucks. So in the last video, I had this really funny joke that I was gonna make. You know how in Captain America 1, how Bucky like tries to hit on Peggy, but then like Peggy doesn't really care, and she likes Steve Rogers instead. I was gonna make a joke in the last video about that, how they should call him Cucky Barnes, you know, cause he gets cucked by, by Steve. I don't know, it seemed funny at the time. Who the hell is Cucky? Now I know a lot of people like this movie, and when I first saw it, I did not like it that much. But granted, I was kind of being an asshole. This movie is pretty good. I'll put it on the list. Now people like this movie a lot because they say it's a cool, gritty spy thriller. But when I watched it, I just saw a corny comic book movie. Like it's really the same as all the other ones. There's a lot of corny shit in this movie. This movie has a supercomputer that is fueled by the brain of a Nazi super scientist. I am not a recording Fräulein. Why does your supercomputer have a German accent? <laughs> <laughs> you built a supercomputer and you gave it a German accent like you went out of your way to do that. <laughs> this movie has a scene where Nick Fury uses a lightsaber to cut a hole in the ground, Bugs Bunny style, in order to run away from a 90-year-old cyborg assassin. This movie's just corny as hell, but 
honestly, I like it. It feels like a comic book movie. Like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. This stuff is sort of tongue-in-cheek, so hey, I don't mind. However, while I do like this movie and I think it's pretty solid, there's a lot of things I still don't like about it. I feel like I say that in every one of these reviews. I really can't help it. They're all the same. The main thing I hate, and this is probably my biggest hatred that I have for anything in the MCU, but I hate that Captain America meets with Peggy when she's old. Remember how I said I loved the ending of the first Captain America movie? That was like the only redeeming factor of that movie, in my opinion. Their relationship and that ending is completely ruined by having him hanging out with her in the future. Think about it from a storytelling perspective. If Captain America wakes up in the future and everybody that he knows is dead, the girl that he loves is dead, and then Bucky shows up, it makes his relationship with Bucky a lot stronger. Also, the effect on her looks like shit. Stop putting CGI on people's faces, it looks weird, it never looks natural at all. Another thing I hate about this is that it makes Steve Rogers look really fucking creepy. Not only does he seem creepy by having a crush on a deteriorating old woman with Alzheimer's, he looks extra creepy by trying to fuck her niece right after the funeral in the next movie. If Peggy was already dead when he woke up, this would have been way less creepy. Also, this is probably a good time to talk about another thing I wanted to mention in the last video. I really, really don't like Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson is in like every one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and she's in this one the most and I hate her. Black Widow suffers from the fake strong female character syndrome. Mike from Red Letter Media describes this problem pretty well. Here's this character, you know, they were trained by every agency on the planet. They were ex-KGB, CIA. <laughs> she jumps on the roof of a train and then flips off the side, <laughs> kicks through the window and then fights 15 guys and then flies into the control booth of the train, <laughs> all, all in kind of sped up slow motion. That's the strong female character. And, yeah. and this is not a character. She is not a real person. Everything that she says is either sassy, snarky confidence, or something like sexual and weird. She has no dialogue in any of these movies that tells us anything about her personality. Soviet slug, no rifling. Bye-bye bikinis. Oh my god, who writes this lady's dialogue? Oh, and onto the subject of Marvel characters that I do not like. I hate Falcon. This movie introduces Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon, aka nobody's favorite superhero. I don't have a big, well-thought-out argument for why I don't like him. I just don't like him. He's whack, and he shows up all the time, and I can't stand him. I don't like Black Widow, but at least I get to see her do cool fight scenes. She also has other enjoyable qualities. Falcon just flies around and he says dumb shit. I feel like the characters in the movie don't even like him. Hey, Sam. Don't thank me. I'm not thinking that thing. His name is Red Wing. I'm still not thinking it. Anyway, those are my dumb nitpicks, so let's talk about why I actually like this movie. First of all, the script is actually really solid in this movie. I have no problem with the writing at all. And if I say that about a Marvel movie, I'm, I mean it, okay? With most of these movies, you have to try to avoid cringing every time you hear a joke or any line of dialogue whatsoever. This movie doesn't have that problem. It's pretty solid. Actually, I take it back. There are a few awkward lines. I told you, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't negotiate. Who are you talking to? That man is dead. One thing I will praise the Captain America trilogy for is that it's an actual trilogy. All three of the movies are connected. Compare this to the Iron Man trilogy or the Thor trilogy. 
those movies barely have anything to do with one another. But the Captain America movies all flow well together, and I like that. Also, real quick, there's one thing that I noticed, and I think I'm the only one who pieced this together. This movie is entirely ripped off from Metal Gear Solid. This isn't wishful thinking, I'm not making this up. It's not even a bad thing. Noticing this has actually made me like the movie a lot more. So let's list just a few things that I noticed. Cyborg Assassin with a hidden connection to the main character. Snake. Try to remember some of the basics of CQC. A scene with our hero fighting a bunch of dudes in an elevator. The entire first mission on a boat with Russian pirates. A secret society of corrupted government officials. Now yeah, maybe I'm just imagining it, but judging by how these guys are huge nerds, I want to at least believe that one of these is intentional. This movie's just exciting. I usually don't like spy movies at all, but this shit is actually pretty interesting. When these movies are bad, it's usually because they have bad pacing and they get boring and stuff, but this movie doesn't have that problem. It's just solid. It's just a solid as hell movie. 8 out of 10. This one's hard to complain about. Yeah, so uh, the next one's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's good. You already know that. I don't think I'm going to be offending anybody by saying this is probably one of the best MCU movies ever made. I think it's one of the best comic book movies ever made, but that's just me. You can show this to anybody and they can have a good time. These movies usually tease out the weird and crazy elements of the Marvel Universe, but this movie is what really sold everybody on the cosmic Marvel elements. This is where they started fully shoving Infinity Stone shit in people's faces instead of just hinting at it. If you ask me, this is when they realized they could get weird with the Marvel movies. When you watch the movies in Phase 1, they're still playing it super safe. But after this point, shit just gets super weird, and I love it. I really only have good stuff to say about this movie, so... Get ready. The presentation of this movie is so refreshing. The music from Peter Quill's Walkman framing each scene is something that turns this movie from a fun sci-fi flick to an emotional roller coaster. It could have just had a normal score, but giving a sci-fi movie music from the modern world, it's genius. I don't know who came up with this, but it's genius. The music is the only aspect of the presentation that's good. The cinematography is good too. My only knock against Winter Soldier is that the movie is shot with like no personality, and that kind of goes for most Marvel movies. There's some actual really good shots in this movie, and the sequel goes even further than that. I love the first scene with Chris Pratt. Normally, I want my intros to be action-packed or exciting or to set the story up, but this scene perfectly shows his personality and the overall tone of the movie. He could easily be listening to his music while fighting off a bunch of space pirates in a shootout, but showing him goofing off and lackadaisically using his rocket boots, kicking these worm rat things, this sets the tone perfectly. This movie does not take itself seriously at all, and that's the key to making the crazy space stuff easy for audiences to swallow. Plus, when the movie gets serious, it's unexpected and it hits harder. In fact, that tone shapes every element of the movie. There is, in fact, an ERJB in this movie, but it actually works. The villain is generic, but the movie uses this to its advantage. Look at the opening scene with the bad guys. It's purposefully shot like a Ridley Scott movie. It looks like Prometheus. This is on purpose. They're making a colorful sci-fi movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. 
But when you see the villains, the movie's shot like a movie that's taking itself seriously. And what's amazing about this movie is that it made Guardians of the Galaxy a household name. Everybody and their mom knows who Rocket Raccoon is. The best thing this movie does is it makes all these characters likable. If even one of these characters was shitty, this movie would not work. If anything, the only nitpicky problem I have is that Bradley Cooper obviously isn't recording his lines near any of the other actors, and sometimes you can tell. His delivery isn't bad, but sometimes it doesn't match the others tonally. But that's a small thing to complain about, and it only becomes obvious in Guardians 2 and Infinity War. And that's the good thing about this movie, it lets you look past flaws very easily. Normally, if a Marvel movie has too many jokes, it can be detrimental. We'll be talking about that in a minute. But here, it works perfectly. This movie's fun, it's exciting, it has a lot of soul, and you guys already know that. I don't need to go on about why this movie's good. 9 out of 10, instant classic. Why did I do this? Oh, it's time for Age of Ultron now. So yeah, we're going from one of the best Marvel movies to one of the most disappointing ones. It sucks that Age of Ultron is so important to the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe story because this movie is just really not fun to revisit. The more times you watch this movie, the more you are going to dislike it. This movie isn't horrible by any means, it's not even really bad, but it's one of those Marvel movies. It's kind of bland, and it doesn't really leave you with any lasting emotions. This movie feels way longer than it is due to some really bad pacing issues, and the writing is really hit or miss. Instead of the corny charm of the first Avengers movie, we have dialogue that is just really annoying. I am Thor, son of Odin, and as long as there is life in my breast, I... I'm running out of things to say. It really bugs me that even Ultron is making jokes in this movie. I'm so... I'm sure that's gonna be okay. I'm sorry. Everybody tells the same kinds of jokes, too. Every character talks the same. Nobody has to break anything. Clearly you've never made an omelet. It makes the characters not unique anymore. Their personalities don't stand out. There's also some weird directorial choices, like this bit where they speed up the footage on Scarlet Witch. What kind of amateur shit is that? I also don't like how Joss Whedon drops the titles in his movies. He puts the titles in the weirdest places. I mean, look at the title drop in this movie. It's so unexpected. Even the action directing is weird. Look at this random shot that I chose. How, how does this even work? So Captain America is holding a door on a moving truck. He gets shot in the face, and then he flies straight up while still moving at the same pace of the truck. But the door's down here, even though the hinges are here? What the fuck am I looking at? I don't like nitpicking in Marvel movies because I could do that all day, and these videos would have been like two hours each. The first Avengers movie is pretty hard to nitpick. It's pretty solid. And that's why this movie is really weird in comparison. I'd say the best parts of this movie are the opening scene with that really cool splash page of all the Avengers, and then the scene with all of them at the party. I would watch a whole movie of the Avengers hanging out and doing nothing important. This shit is really charming. Except for the fact that Captain America should be able to lift Mjolnir. He's lifted it a bunch of times in the comics. He's the most pure-hearted, virtuous dude ever. He's more virtuous than this bloodthirsty maniac. I also really like that Hawkeye is used more in this movie. Hawkeye gets a lot of love, and that just makes me so happy. Because Hawkeye is really cool in the comics, and in the first Avengers movie, he gets shafted pretty hard. He gets possessed for half the movie, and for the rest of it, he just sits on top of a building and he shoots a couple aliens. 
In this one, he gets a lot more attention. They poke fun at the fact that he's the only guy on the team who's basically just a normal dude. Pretending to need this guy really brings the team together. He doesn't even really want to be there. He secretly has a family, and that's something he subtly hints at throughout the movie. Your own girlfriend won't be able to tell the difference. Well, I have a girlfriend. That I can't fix. Gotta go. Who's that? Girlfriend. They also tease the fact that he's gonna die from the first 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, he's flatlining. Call it. Time? No, 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 I'm gonna live forever. And since this is Joss Whedon we're talking about, most people watching this movie probably assumed he was done for. But yeah, Hawkeye doesn't die, but he does get some of the best dialogue in the whole movie. Okay, look, the city's flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. The second half of this movie is really lame though. Everything after the Hulkbuster fight is just really awkward. This feels like the kind of movie where they tried to shove in as much stuff as possible, but at the same time, it really doesn't feel like much is happening in this movie. The movie always feels like it's wasting its time. Like this relationship is not why anybody is buying a ticket for an Avengers movie. And when you think about it, it really doesn't make any sense that they have to stay in that house at the middle point of the movie. They're just wasting their time. There's no reason reason to stay in the house. Right after this, they go back into the city like it's no problem. Why were you in the house? Like whenever we cut back to Ultron, he's just murdering random people and the Avengers are just chilling in a vacation home. Also, if Ultron wants to kill all the Avengers, like that's his main goal, then why does he kidnap Natasha and leave her in his evil lair? He just leaves her unattended. It's not like he's luring in the Avengers. He leaves her in a completely unrelated location. You know who saves her? Bruce Banner, not Hulk, just regular ass Bruce Banner. He just walks in, gets her out of the cage, and they leave. The final battle also really doesn't carry that much weight with it. Everybody's making jokes the entire time. You'll never... You never what? You didn't finish! In some scenes, you'll hear a joke, and then right after, you'll see carnage in the background. Cap, you got incoming. Incoming already came in. Why does Thor fly down to catch these people? and then he flies back up to bring them back on the dangerous flying city. Why didn't you drop them off safely at the bottom? I can see the ground right there. I would be so pissed if I was these guys. Like, thanks a lot, Thor. How did Hulk have the mental fortitude to steal a plane and fly away in the middle of the battle? Bruce Banner didn't do that. The Hulk composed himself enough to steal a spaceship and fly away at the end of the movie. You guys know I hate nitpicking superhero movies. Like I keep saying, these movies all have dumb shit. But when the dumb shit happens over and over, it gets hard to see any of the good stuff. This is one of those movies where if you stop and think about what you're looking at, it doesn't make sense anymore. So six out of 10, somebody make me a Hawkeye movie. All right guys, this is it. The moment you've all been waiting for. I'm finally gonna talk about Civil War. Oh wait, no, sorry. No, it's, it says Ant-Man is next, actually. Ant-Man is... It's whatever. I don't know. It exists. I always meant to get around to watching this one, and it came out on my birthday. But I did not want to go see it on my birthday. Going into this movie, I had, like, one expectation. I just wanted a dumb action comedy. I really like Ant-Man in the comics, but the movie isn't that funny, and the movie's not a love letter to the character, so I kind of just didn't get anything I wanted. To start things off, this movie has probably the biggest ERJB of Phase 2, and probably of any of the movies. This dude is so hilariously evil for no reason. I thought we were using mice. What's the difference? 
No, really, why aren't you using mice? This guy's fucking insane, and they give you the weirdest explanation as to why he's crazy. Kate from Lost brings up very briefly that the shrinking particles are making him evil. This is seriously never mentioned before, and it's not brought up ever again. If that's the case, why isn't Hank Pym evil? I mean, he's a little bit of a dick, but he's not evil. Also, this main villain's thing is that he turns people into boogers. That is the most horrifying shit I have ever seen. This movie also suffers from the pointless side characters problem. I should have made an acronym for that. In this one, we have T.I., the guy from The Dark Knight doing a really bad Russian accent. Beast job, yes. No, no, I have heard of this robbery. And not Carlos Mencia. And they're all pretty fucking bad. T.I. can't act if his life depended on it. Real quick, something that's bugged me since this movie came out is that Hank Pym isn't around more often in the MCU. In the comics, Hank is really important. They reveal in this movie that Hank Pym has been around the whole time, kinda just doing his own thing, being a super smart guy. Where the fuck have you been? The narrative is kind of split between Hank and Scott, and it doesn't work because usually the mentor character leaves the story or they die so that the main character can have more time to shine. That doesn't happen. Hank is around the whole time, and Scott really has to share the spotlight with him. Paul Rudd also isn't really utilized very well either. He doesn't really get anything funny to say. He's funnier in Civil War. Like, I actually really like him in Civil War, even if he's just there for a cameo. I believe this is yours, Captain America. The only time he really gets to do anything fun is in the last third. That's where all the action is. That's where the movie actually is fun to watch. These movies are supposed to be about the main hero. They're supposed to sell us on the concept of an Ant-Man. And I really feel like it didn't do that. So it's just a waste. I love Ant-Man in the comics, and I hate that he's kind of a joke in these movies because this movie just didn't work. Anyway, I guess it's a 6 out of 10. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just okay. Alright guys, well that was Phase 2. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week we'll be talking about Phase 3, so I'll see you then. Bye guys. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about Civil War now. So I guess this is what you guys wanted. You wanted me to talk about Civil War. Because for years I've been saying I don't like Civil War. My reasons are probably not what you think they are. And I should probably mention it now, but I don't think Civil War is a bad movie. This movie just personally makes me upset because I had really high expectations for it. The thing is, this movie has like no stakes, there's no consequence, and by the time Infinity War rolls around, you realize that the events of Civil War didn't really have any effect on the plot at all. The Civil War comic is the top-selling Marvel comic of all time. The effects of that story reach so far that I can't even begin to quantify it. It pisses me off because people are going to get mad at me for saying that I like Iron Man 3 because they changed things in the comic. But those same people like this movie, which kind of shits on the comic if we're being honest. You might think it's a little strange that I'm judging a comic book movie based on the comic that it takes its material from, because I usually don't do that. I usually like to judge these as completely separate stories. Because like I said, if I don't, I'll go fucking crazy. But when the comic is done so much better than the movie, it's hard to ignore. As I said before, this is not a bad Marvel movie. In the grand scheme of things, I think it's higher than most of them. But I still personally am very disappointed about it. But let's go ahead and talk about the good stuff first, because there's a lot of stuff I do like in this movie. First off, I am eternally grateful for this movie introducing Spider-Man to the MCU, because Tom Holland's Spider-Man is amazing. The first scene with him is so much fun. Every scene with him is so much fun. 
Gotta say, that's awesome. Man. I don't know if you've been in a fight before, but there's usually not this much talking. All right, sorry, my bad. I love this boy. I love the subtle ways they show us his powers. For some reason, everybody thinks the first representation of Tom Holland's spider sense is in this scene from Infinity War. But that's not the case. The first time we see his spider sense is in this scene. Oh, God. That's a really clever way to show it. I really like that. Secondly, this movie sold me on T'Challa being in the MCU. I think he's better in this movie than he is in his own movie. In this movie, he's the only guy I'm really rooting for. He's like, oh, the Winter Soldier killed my dad? Okay, I'm gonna fucking kill him now. That's just straight savagery. I love that shit. So I ask you, as both warrior and king, how long do you think you can keep your friend safe from me? Straight up, if somebody told me that, even if I was Captain America, I would shit my pants. Then at the end of the movie, he has this really nice moment of clarity where he realizes that revenge is not the answer. Vengeance has consumed you. It's consuming them. I'm done letting it consume me. T'Challa is really good in this movie, and it sold me on him being in this universe. Uh, thirdly, I like the big text that they started using to set each scene. It's just cool looking. That's it. That's the only reason I like it. it. Just looks nice. I like that this movie has great characterization for Tony Stark of all characters. It's a Captain America movie, and the character with the most going on is Iron Man. Go figure. The last thing I like about this movie is that it is a good ending for the Captain America trilogy. Starting off his saga with this scene. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I'm gonna do this all day. And ending it with this scene. I could do this all day. Come on, that's pretty cool. I think this movie is a little bit of fun. It has some fun action, and it introduces characters that I do like a lot. But while I don't hate it, I don't really like it either, so let's talk about why. First of all, this movie's fucking boring. This is like four movies happening at the same time. In this movie, we have Tony dealing with his guilt, Captain America chasing Bucky, Bucky dealing with his brainwashing, T'Challa wanting revenge on Bucky. Then we throw Peter Parker into the story and he doesn't have anything to do with the plot. He's just there for the fans. I forgot about the plot about there being more than one Winter Soldier. I swear, you could trim a half hour off of this movie and tighten up the script if you just cut this thread and you get rid of Baron Zemo. We don't need one guy pitting the Avengers against each other. The concepts of these two factions disagreeing with each other is a Enough to run the story. We really don't need a super villain there to be like, ah, I'm going to make them fight each other. Also, his plan to break up the Avengers and get them to kill each other doesn't make any sense, and it didn't even work. At the end of the movie, he's like, haha, I really succeeded. You guys are the losers. But you didn't. Nobody died. Your goal was to get them to kill each other, and they didn't kill each other. Tony and Steve aren't even really mad at each other at the end of the movie. At the end of the Civil War comic, Captain America dies. But no, this movie just has a bunch of stupid people doing stupid shit. Everybody in this movie is stupid. In case you didn't know, the main conflict of this movie is that the government wants to put limitations on superheroes because of what happened in Sokovia with Ultron. People are also kind of upset about some things that happened in this movie, like Scarlet Witch blowing up this little building on accident. But would people really be more mad at the Avengers in this situation than they would be at the terrorists who tried to kill way more people than that? In this movie, people are mad at the Avengers because they aren't saving literally everyone. Who's going to avenge my son Stark? Well, they did avenge him. They killed Ultron. I don't think you know what the word avenge means. Now, yeah, I'll admit the Ultron incident is kind of the exception to this rule. Ultron was built by Tony Stark, and that was kind of a big mistake. It's not a good look. 
But in the real world, all that would happen is Tony Stark gets arrested for being a war criminal. In this world, the Sokovia Accords are completely unwarranted. The Avengers have not done enough wrong in the world yet. You remember that scene where Thunderbolt Ross is trying to convince them that they should sign the Accords by showing them footage of their battles in the other movies? It makes absolutely no sense. I'm gonna go ahead and say what the Avengers should have told him in this scene. New York. Oh yeah, uh, aliens from another realm attacked the city. They are trying to get a magic jewel. We literally had nothing to do with the destruction in this movie. In case you don't know, there were only like six of us at the time, and only half of us had superpowers. Washington, D.C. Nazis infiltrated the government and tried to kill thousands of people with airships that the government built to keep surveillance on the world. This was you. You did this one. Sokovia. Okay, yeah, that one that one was our fault. Also, look at how Ross says perspective. Perspective. Why'd you say that weird? In the comics, the event that starts everything is a lot more clear-cut. A superhero reality show tries to bust some high-profile bad guys, and due to their carelessness, they blow up an entire school. Like 300 kids die. This is also after Bucky bombs Philadelphia, killing hundreds of people. Plus, Scarlet Witch went crazy and caused cataclysmic damage to the multiverse. So this is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Now given everything that we're told in this movie, even if I personally don't think the Accords make sense, this is how things are gonna go. But Steve has no reason to disagree with the Accords. The only thing he's really upset about is that he doesn't want the government to tell him where he can go and what he can do. In all of the movies before this, he is totally fine with following orders. This movie makes it seem like Steve is a fucking maniac for disagreeing with anybody. And he is. He's a complete idiot. He doesn't have a reason to disagree with this. He almost signs on once Tony says that they can send Bucky in for psych treatment. But Steve still says no. This doesn't make any sense at all. Everybody in this movie is being really dumb. Another problem you start to realize with this movie is that there's no tension. At all. We're still friends, right? This conflict has never really taken that seriously because the characters who did sign on kind of disagree that they're not really gonna obey the rules anyway. Then what the fuck is the point of this story at all? Even Tony, the guy who's really supposed to be fighting for the Accords, isn't obeying them. He brings on Peter Parker to fight with him and then he's like, okay, go on and do Spider-Man stuff now, even though it's illegal to do so. You're telling me that every time someone does anything in the other movies, it's because of the Accords? What about Doctor Strange? Is Doctor Strange allowed to be a superhero? Does he count? Is he registered with the government? Nobody's really mad at each other until the last bit of the movie. And even then, Tony isn't upset about the Accords. He's upset about his other shit. If you want this fight to actually mean something, you have to build the motivations from the very beginning of the story and stick with them. If you want to have a story about how Bucky killed Tony's mom, then tell that story. Don't worry about all this other shit because it didn't do anything, it doesn't matter. And that's basically how the movie goes. I hope by now I've made my point, because this movie is just messy as hell. It manages to cover up most of the plot by the end, but the conclusion is so lackluster. But if we're being completely honest, the number one thing that would have made this movie amazing is if it wasn't made. At least, not yet. I personally really believe that this movie would have done so well if it came later. This shot here is exactly why. This is just a handful of superheroes in a parking lot, barely fighting each other. Instead of the dozens of heroes all with their own distinct motivations, fighting for a conflict that has been brewing for years, I've been wondering where they could go with the MCU after Infinity War ends. Any more threats from space are gonna seem really lame compared to Thanos. 
Honestly, Infinity War being so good makes this movie look a lot worse. I think Civil War would have been a really good follow-up. You could draw upon every conflict that has come before, and I think it would have worked out a lot better. I don't know, I think this movie just lacks the finality that the comic has. But it isn't a bad movie, and whenever I said that before, I was mostly shitposting. But I really personally don't like it because I feel like a lot of potential was wasted. I feel like they blew their load way too early. 6 out of 10, don't at me. I hate you. Alright guys, well this took a lot out of me. Alright, I know we still have phase 3, so give me another week, I'll come back, we'll wrap it all up. It's not as many movies to talk about, because I've already talked about most of them. Plus, at the end of the next video, we're gonna rank all the movies from worst to best, so that we can see how they all stack up next to each other, alright? And, uh, I gotta clean up my face and, like, all this mess I made. So, I'll see you guys next week. Um, bye. I did all this for you. Never forget that. Hey guys, I think it's time that we end this journey. We've only got a few movies left, guys. Only a few more movies before I can finally put this project to bed. You guys already know how I feel about most of these movies, so we're gonna go fast. We're gonna do a lightning round. Doctor Strange is a really strange entry in the MCU. This is one incredibly average Marvel movie, but I kinda like it. It has so many things that I don't like, but Doctor Strange is one of my favorite Marvel comic book characters, so as a fanboy, I kind of find it hard to get too mad. The main problem with this movie is that Doctor Strange is not really the most interesting guy to make a solo movie out of. He's better suited as a cameo or a supporting character among other important heroes. His origin is interesting enough, but this movie suffers from overstaying its welcome quite a bit. The supporting cast is kind of lackluster, and Strange by himself gets really annoying with his constant jokes. All the other wizards are kind of similar. They don't really stand out from each other that much. Rachel McAdams is a good actress, but she is literally thrown into this movie for no reason. I have no idea why they needed to put her in this movie. And then we have Mads Mikkelsen, who is one of the most uninteresting ERJBs in the entire MCU. I personally am very upset by this because I always thought Mads Mikkelsen would make a really good Doctor Doom, but now that's never gonna happen. Like I said before, I really hate how Doctor Strange is just telling jokes the whole time in this movie. It feels really forced when he goes from being a sassy, rude asshole to a sassy, funny wizard. It doesn't fit the character at all. He just seems like a goofball in this movie. In Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War, Doctor Strange is behaving a little more like I expect. What I'm trying to say is that the Marvel quipping doesn't work for every movie. Anyway, as I watch this movie, I am personally fully on board with the first act. It's really satisfying watching this arrogant asshole with no spiritualism be converted to the ways of magic. That first scene with Doctor Strange going through the astral plane is one of the most visually impressive scenes in the entire MCU. I thought the scene in Ant-Man where Scott goes subatomic was really ambitious and exciting considering the mediocrity of that movie, and it's pretty clear that that scene was an experiment for this one. In fact, I think they should have gone further with the concept of merging science and magic together. Strange uses his book smarts to read books? 
and that's kind of it. I would have liked to see him combine his natural scientific intelligence with his new magic knowledge and creative ways. Instead, he's just like, okay, forget science, none of it matters anymore, I am now a magician. The best part of this movie is how it foregoes the usual big dumb final battle with a big bad guy in favor of our hero outsmarting the villain. I think the movie could have definitely gotten a little more weird with it. Instead of all the creative magic that I expected, we just get wizard karate, which is kind of boring to watch after a while. At the end of the day, if you like Doctor Strange, you'll like this movie. If you don't, you're probably not going to give a shit. I would say the biggest appeal of this movie is being able to say, holy shit, Dormammu is in a fucking movie. But if you don't know who Dormammu is, and you don't know a Hogoth from an Agamotto, then you probably aren't going to care about this movie that much. Personally, I had my fun with it, but it's not exactly one that I would watch a million times. 6 out of 10, it's okay. That didn't take very long. I told you guys. Lightning speed. Next movie. Lightning round. Guardians Volume 2 is really good. And I didn't like it when I first saw it, which is becoming a theme. I think I just don't like Marvel movies when I first see them. However, this is one of the more subtle movies in the MCU, and you guys know I like subtlety. I mean, as subtle as you can get with Chris Pratt turning into giant Pac-Man to kill an alien demigod. This movie is basically just more Guardians of the Galaxy, but to be honest, it's a lot more emotional than the first one. Most of this movie is actually really sad and depressing, and I think that's why I like it. I love that scene where Drax is thinking about his past, and then Mantis goes out to sense his feelings, and she's overwhelmed by sadness, but he just sits there, just completely calm. This is a really subtle way to show how much pain Drax holds in without saying it to the audience outright. Rocket's whole character arc is based on his self-loathing and how he doesn't know how to be around people that he loves without acting out. What is your goal here? To get everybody to hate you? You're like a professional asshole or what? Pretty much a bro. Yondu is torn between the ways of his people and his desire to take care of Peter, a person that he sees as a son. I like how Yondu and Nebula get expanded upon and made into more interesting characters. This is way more character work than most Marvel movies even attempt. In this movie, everybody's going through shit and everybody's kind of sad. And I really like that. This movie has a lot less of the space hijinks from the first movie and it has more of a focused narrative. That isn't to say that this movie isn't wacky though. It's still wacky, but re-watching this movie without comparing it to the first one definitely makes it a lot better. It really feels like less of a sequel and more of a second half of the Guardians narrative. This is also the first Marvel movie with an actual good villain. Not a passable one, a good one. Ego's motivations are completely understandable, and the performance by Kurt Russell is actually really, really good. He's having fun with it while still taking it seriously. And this started a trend in Marvel movies where the villains were actual believable people. When I saw this movie the first time, I was really excited because I could tell the movies were learning from their mistakes. Each phase of Marvel movies gets better and better, and the dumb shit in these movies gets more infrequent. This movie still has some bad jokes and the pacing is kind of off, but I think it all still works together. This movie is a lot darker and a lot sadder than the first one, but I think the tone is always consistent. It never betrays the movie. You probably won't have as much fun rewatching it as you will rewatching Guardians 1, but that's just because this one isn't as lighthearted. It's still good though. It's shot really, really well. It has great music as usual. The performances are all top notch, even from the side characters. And out of the entire MCU, it's the only movie to almost make me cry. It was this shot right here. This one almost did it to me. 7 out of 10, pretty darn good. Lightning round, next movie. Alright guys, 
We made it. We've arrived at the last three movies. I reviewed all these movies when they came out, and now we're gonna see how much my opinion has changed. And in the case of this one, it hasn't. This is still one of my favorite Marvel movies, and probably one of my favorite superhero movies. Spider-Man Homecoming is still the one Marvel movie that feels completely different from the others, because it's barely a superhero movie. It's a teen comedy featuring a Spider-Man. <coughs> Hey, how you doing? Don't worry about it, I got you. Tom Holland is the definitive Peter Parker. This version of Peter is perfect. Every single aspect of his character is faithful, even in the things that they changed. Normally we don't see Peter with a friend or confidant, but Ned fills the role that is much needed in this kind of movie. Giving Spider-Man a best friend to play off of helps flesh out his character. We get to see how he reacts to a second opinion. It's also worth noting that this is probably the funniest movie in the MCU. You're that spider guy on YouTube, right? Call me Spider-Man! Okay, Spider-Man! Go flip! Yeah! One of my favorite gags is how the school has this really shitty news show with wooden acting and a glitchy green screen. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured thanks to the Spider-Man. Thank you, Thank you, Spider-Man. Spider I love how there's a handful of shots where you can see this kid running around in the background. I love how they incorporate the classic Spider-Man theme in the beginning of the movie. I love all the cameos from the other comedians, most notably Hannibal Burris, who's fucking hilarious as usual. I like how Flash Thompson isn't just the stereotypical jock because that wouldn't really make sense in this story. I mean, yeah, he's a douchey kid who makes fun of Peter, but they're not like enemies. This is way more realistic. I like that nobody dies in this movie. The only death in the whole movie is played off as a joke, and that's perfect. I really, really like how Peter is nice to literally everybody. The friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is supposed to be fucking friendly, all right? I love how Peter isn't immediately swinging around on skyscrapers in Manhattan. The one time he has to climb something really big, he actually has a bit of a panic attack. Why are you hesitating? Spider-Man never been this high before. I also still really love the reference to Amazing Spider-Man 33. I talked about that in my last video, but having this iconic moment represented on screen really shows that the guys making these movies know their shit. If you can't tell, I love a lot of stuff in this movie. I can rewatch this movie over and over again, and it will not stop being charming. And yeah, I'm pretty biased. Spider-Man has always been my favorite superhero, and I'm contractually obligated to love this movie. So leave me alone, all right? Nine out of 10, I love this movie, and you can't change my mind. Oh, fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, lightning round. Yeah, so Thor Ragnarok is pretty good. This is the first Marvel movie to take the fun, wacky stuff from Guardians and shove it into a movie with an actual superhero. When I heard the premise of this movie years ago, I didn't even believe it. A space odyssey with Thor and Hulk fighting aliens? No, that sounds too good to be true. I commend Guardians for making it cool to be weird in these movies, but I commend this movie even more for taking that weirdness and turning it up to 11. This movie is insane. Also, I'm glad that this movie got rid of the fucking humans. There are two humans in the whole film, Bruce Banner and Doctor Strange, and they have superpowers so they barely even count. I think probably the lowest point in the movie is when Anthony Hopkins gets written out of the franchise. It kind of feels like they just rushed his ass out of these movies because he was just too expensive. Also, like I said in my last review of this movie, I really do not like Hela. I thought after Doctor Strange we had moved away from the ERJBs, but she still counts. 
She does differ in the fact that she actually has motivations, but we as an audience don't care about those motivations. Though one of the best scenes in the movie is when Hela finally kills those stupid-ass side characters. Most of the time, Thor movies are just fantasy movies with elements from our world, but this one is just straight-up weird, kooky science fiction. I mean, this is probably why I don't like the scenes in Asgard, because they just aren't as fun comparatively. Anyway, there's really not much else to say that I haven't already said. It's still one of the best movies in the MCU, and I think it's worth being watched by anyone who likes a fun Star Wars type movie. So 8 out of 10, I still like it. Alright guys, this is the last movie. And it's a movie that I've already reviewed before. And I still don't like it. I still really, really, really don't like Black Panther. To me, this is the most mediocre movie of Phase 3. It is super predictable, the effects are hilariously bad at times, the cinematography is just whatever, there's like one good shot. I really don't have much to like about this movie. I mean, the movie has a few good things, I guess. I feel like I should I should try to say something nice about it. Um, I like the world building. Wakanda is presented in a really convincing way compared to Asgard and how fucking boring it is. Wakanda is way better than that. I'm totally sold on Wakanda. Wakanda is pretty cool. Is that what you want to hear from me? I also really like that first scene in the ancestral plane. It looks really cool, it has really cool music, I'm, I'm totally into this. I think it's pretty clear by now that if these movies ever have a sort of metaphysical dimension that the characters have to explore, I usually like those kinds of scenes. I don't really know why, I just kind of gravitate towards things like that. Oh, and like I said in my first review of this movie, Killmonger is the best character in this movie. What's up? I honestly really would like to see a movie like a what if scenario if Killmonger didn't get defeated and he took over the world. Like how the fuck do the Avengers solve that problem? Also, Killmonger's last monologue is probably the most badass thing that anybody in the entire franchise has ever said. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. That's the rawest shit anybody says in any of these movies. Other than that though, most of the characters kind of disappoint me. Forrest Whitaker is playing the average Forrest Whitaker character. Angela Bassett has nothing to do in this movie. Andy Serkis is good, but he's barely in the movie. Frodo Baggins is whatever. Right. And then we have Lupita Nyong'o, who is completely and utterly useless. But at the end of the day, no character in this movie is more disappointing than T'Challa, the Black Panther. I talked about how much I loved him in Civil War, and in this movie, he doesn't really have anything to do comparatively. The problem is that the story arc that he went through in that movie is super compelling. It was an emotional story, but that arc is over. T'Challa has already come to terms with who he is, so forcing him to do it again is just tedious. Also, Chadwick Boseman isn't really doing as well as he was in Civil War. The last scene with him is one of the best performances of the whole movie, but in this movie he feels like he's just hanging out. And it's not really his fault, because the script doesn't give him a lot of chances to show any emotion. Now, as I said in the other review, I hate the pacing in this movie. This movie is incredibly boring. And I get how subjective that sounds, but I really can't get over how much of this movie is just people walking around lackadaisically talking about dumb shit. It honestly reminds me of the Star Wars prequels. I seriously mean that. Think about it this way. If we cut out the romantic subplot, then we also cut out half of these pointless conversations. We get rid of the first ceremony, and we make the ceremony happen later on in the movie. You can fit a whole character arc in that empty space. A character arc that T'Challa desperately needs. 
At some point, this movie genuinely tries to make us believe that T'Challa is dead. And this is insulting. Nobody watched this movie and thought he was actually dead. I don't understand why this movie just grinds to a halt, and then it rushes Killmonger's rise to power. It also makes the final battle feel less impactful. However, while the final battle is kinda whack, I think the rest of the movie has pretty good action, which is one of the reasons why I don't totally hate this movie. It's not flawless though, because some of the special effects are pretty shitty. Most namely, the last fight with Eric and T'Challa. It looks like a fucking video game. I cannot get over how ugly this is. There's also this weird part in the first fight where Maz Kanata cocks this gun, but then she doesn't shoot it. She just hits a guy in the head, and then she throws the gun at another guy. What the fuck was that? However, when there isn't any action, the movie is really fucking lame. The twist of this movie is laid out super awkwardly, and I also complained about that in the other video. To summarize what I said there, I think that this scene should have been in the beginning of the movie. That would have set the plot in motion from the start. Instead, it just starts with a scene that ends with no resolution. The king is just like, hey, I'm really upset at you for betraying Wakanda. And then it pans away, and it's over. That's it. That's not how you start a movie. I could seriously re-edit this movie myself and just move that scene to the beginning, and it would have been so much better. It would have led to you questioning the king's actions from the very beginning. If the audience knows the secret, then we want T'Challa to learn the secret as well. Plus, there's still a twist to be had here. We still don't know who Eric is. We still don't know that Forrest Whitaker was the guy that was there in the beginning of the movie. Instead of laying three twists on top of each other awkwardly, you could spread them out and make the movie more enjoyable to watch from the beginning to the end. And then in the middle of the movie, there's this really weird scene where T'Challa is for some reason stopped by a single grenade when he's shown to be completely invincible up to this point. But on top of that, he just lets Killmonger get away afterwards. This dude is shown to be able to run faster than cars. In the previous scene, he did shit like this to catch up to a car. This is distractingly stupid. He didn't even try. To be honest, it feels like this whole movie isn't really trying. It could have been one of the best Marvel movies, but instead, it's just average. Wouldn't it be awesome if the black superhero movie was also one of the best superhero movies? I don't know. I thought that would be kind of fucking cool, but it doesn't matter what I want. I still don't like this movie. It isn't bad, but it's not that great either. 5 out of 10, we're done here. So that's it, guys. That's all the movies. If you want to see how I feel about Infinity War, I just talked about that a few weeks ago. The link is in the description if you really want to know. So this is the moment you guys have all been waiting for, right? We are going to take everything that we've learned, everything we've discussed, and we're going to stack it all up. That's right, we are going to now rank every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie... Stanley cameos. I'm not joking. Number 19, Guardians of the Galaxy. One of the best movies has one of the weakest Stanley cameos. My criteria for a good cameo is a funny joke and the right amount of screen time. Too much screen time is a little obnoxious. I don't like when he's around too much. Show him for a second and make the audience laugh that's it. Wow, nice suit. Zip it, Stanley. This one is also lame because he doesn't say anything. Rocket makes fun of him. That's mean. Don't be mean to Stan Lee. Number 18, The Incredible Hulk. This one is really fucking weird because in this one, Stan Lee presumably dies. He drinks this soda that has the Hulk's blood in it, and it's pretty fucking ominous. I don't like that. I don't like Stan Lee getting hurt. Bad cameo. Number 17, Thor 1. Stan Lee tries to pull Mjolnir out of the ground with a truck. 
He's on screen for like a second, and he doesn't say anything funny. Number 16, Thor 2. Stan Lee asks for his shoe back. This movie thinks shoes are the funniest things ever. Jane, give me your shoe. Give me your shoe. Can I have my shoe back? Bad cameo. Number 15, Black Panther. Stan Lee is kind of shoved into this one. He steals T'Challa's chips at the casino. That's not very nice. Stan Lee would never do that. Number 14, Captain America the First Avenger. This is where the cameos stop being bad and they just start being average. The point of these kinds of cameos are to make the audience say out loud, Hey look, it's Stan Lee. I thought he'd be taller. Hey look, it's Stan Lee! Number 13, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Stan Lee is sad because Captain America stole the costume from the museum. Hey look, it's Stan Lee! Number 12, Iron Man 3. This is where we start the saga of perverted Stan Lee. In this one, he's judging a beauty pageant. Number 11, Spider-Man Homecoming. In the second installment of pervert Stan Lee, we have him yelling at Spider-Man and then hitting on his neighbor. This one goes on a bit too long for my taste, and I think they should have gotten a little more creative considering Spider-Man is kind of Stan Lee's baby. Number 10, Infinity War. I obviously don't have footage of this one because the movie's not out on DVD yet. Stan Lee's driving a bus with Peter Parker and his classmates, and he turns around and says, What's the matter? You kids never seen a spaceship before? This is kind of cute because at this point there have been so many monsters and alien invasions that people in this world very much should be used to it by now. However, since I think this is one of the last Stan Lee cameos we're gonna get, I wanted to see something a little more creative. Number 9, Ant-Man. Stan Lee is in a montage narrated by one of the pointless side characters. I really like this montage and Stan Lee comes in at the very end of the movie, so he really comes as a surprise to the audience. Number 8, Captain America Civil War. Stan Lee works for FedEx and he calls Tony the wrong name. Are you Tony's stank? This would be higher on the list, but it's undercut by Rhodey ruining the joke. He just repeats it, like, twice afterwards. It's like when you go to the movies with your annoying friend, and after every single joke in the movie, your friend laughs, taps you on the shoulder, and then repeats the joke to you. That shit is so annoying. Number 7, Doctor Strange. I personally really like this one. Stan Lee's sitting on a bus and laughing while reading the book The Doors of Perception. This book is about tripping on LSD. And that's really cute considering the fact that people claimed Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were on drugs back when they made their crazy little stories. Number 6, Iron Man 1. In the third installment of Pervert Stan Lee, Stan Lee is mistaken for Hugh Hefner. It's quick and it's cute, just like I like it. Number 5, Iron Man 2. This one's pretty similar to the last one in Iron Man 1, except this time Stan Lee is Larry King. For some reason, Tony Stark keeps mistaking Stan Lee for other people. I kinda like that. Number 4, Marvel's The Avengers. Superheroes in New York, give me I like this one probably more than I should. Number 3, Avengers Age of Ultron. This one's a fan favorite. Stan Lee drinks Thor's booze and he gets fucking wasted. It's quick and the punchline does not linger. Number 2, Thor Ragnarok. I personally fucking love this cameo. In this one, Stan plays a cyborg barber who cuts Thor's iconic hair. This cameo lingers a bit longer, but in a good way. I think this is one of the few cameos that actually made me laugh in the theater. <laughs> no! And the number one cameo goes to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. This cameo marks the first time we see the Watchers in the MCU. The Watchers are really important in the comics, and this movie confirms that Stanley is actually some sort of agent of theirs. He's sent around the galaxy to watch the pivotal events as they unfold. He mentions how he was a FedEx driver before this, referencing his appearance in Civil War, and since then Kevin Feige admitted that Stan the Man is in fact the same dude in every single movie. This is the one cameo that made me lose my shit. Like, actually lose my shit. This is the best cameo, hands down.
And that's it, guys. That's all the movies ranked in the only way that I know how. Alright, let's just do it the normal way. Number 19 and 18, Hulk and Thor. These movies are kind of tied for me. I think they both belong at the bottom, but for different reasons. I hate Thor as a movie. Personally, it is the one MCU movie that pisses me off the most. But I will admit that Hulk is the actual worst movie. I just like watching Hulk because I think it's funny and weird, and I would watch it any day over Thor 1. But to make this quick, let's just say Hulk is number 19 and Thor is 18, alright? Number 17, Thor 2, the dark, the dark, what's it called? Dark, uh, the dark, the dark world! Shit, I forgot, I actually forgot what that was called. Everybody hates this movie, and that's pretty fair. It is abysmally mediocre. It doesn't really do that much wrong, but it does feel like the most useless movie in the entire MCU. I never saw it before I started making these videos, and I kind of feel like I still haven't watched it. This movie just sucks. Number 16, Iron Man 2. This is another one that feels pretty pointless, but it actually has some fun stuff, but that doesn't really make it very good. It's just slightly more watchable than Thor 2. Number 15, Ant-Man. Again, mediocre and forgettable. The thing about MCU movies is that they aren't really bad, so most of the entries at the bottom of this list are just ranked in order of which ones had more interesting stuff in them, which ones were more experimental and tried out new things, which ones were fun to watch the whole time, and this one doesn't really have any of that. Just another one that I've already forgotten. Number 14, Black Panther. Alright, okay, I admit, this one's personal. I can't help it, but I really don't like this movie. I didn't enjoy it the first time, and watching it again made me really tired. Call me an Uncle Tom if you need to, but I cannot bring myself to rank this movie any higher. Number 13, Captain America, The First Avenger. This movie still kind of disappoints me, but it does have a good movie hiding somewhere in there. You just have to dig really hard to find it. If you like this movie, you really have to make a good, solid argument if you're going to convince someone to watch it. It's got a lot holding it back. Number 12, Avengers Age of Ultron. Not a bad movie, but it has enough stacked against it that it falls short of being actually good. A disappointing follow-up to the most significant superhero movie ever made. More average shit, but nothing too offensive. Number 11, Doctor Strange. The average Marvel movie. It has a predictable story, some genuinely fun and inventive sequences, but this is the actual baseline average Marvel movie. I like it a lot personally, but I know it's not really that good. Number 10, Captain America Civil War. Yeah, I bet some of you thought I was going to put this at the bottom of the list. This movie is actually watchable. There's a ton of nitpicky stuff holding it down, and most of my problems with it are super personal, like I said in the last video. At the end of the day, the stuff I like actually carries this movie pretty far. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that this movie sucks, and the only good thing about it is Spider-Man. <laughs> Number 9, Captain America The Winter Soldier. I actually really like this movie, way more than when I saw it the first time. It's got good pacing, the characters are well written, and it's just fun to watch the whole way through. If I see this movie on TV, I'd probably watch it. Number 8, Iron Man 1. This movie's a lot of fun to watch with the current context of the MCU. It doesn't feel like a relic of the past, it feels like a good jumping off point for this franchise. It's very charming to go back and watch this movie. Number 7, Iron Man 3. I fucking love this movie, okay? It's no surprise to anybody at this point. When I think about Marvel movies, I think about this shit. Comic book craziness with good moments for the main character to shine in. This is the best Tony Stark movie and one of the best Marvel movies. You can fight me on that if you really want to. Number 6, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. This is probably the hardest movie to place for me. I like it, but it does lack some of the charm of Guardians 1. That being said, it stands above most of the other movies in terms of emotional moments. 
The last shot of this movie is Rocket Raccoon crying because he realizes he's been an asshole the whole movie, but it's okay because he's still loved. God, just saying that out loud hits me harder than it should. Number five, Avengers. This is the movie that made these characters cinematic icons. This sparked the worldwide phenomenon that is the MCU. The other movies were fine, but this is the first one that got everybody's attention. And it's a good thing it's an actual enjoyable flick. I have very few bad things to say about this movie. I really appreciate that it exists. Number four, Thor Ragnarok. This movie earns my praise for making Thor a good character. The potential for him was there, but it wasn't until this movie that we got good representation for him. This movie gives in to the fun, wacky side of superhero movies, and it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's so easy to watch this movie and just be immersed in the adventure. I nitpick about this one a lot, but I can't deny how much fun it is to watch this movie. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. The one MCU movie that can be enjoyed by anyone at any time. If you're trying to get someone into these movies, show them this one. This is the best example of a comic book movie done right. It still baffles me to this day how this movie manages to work so well. It has no right being as good as it is. This movie brought the craziness of the Marvel Universe out for the first time, and it's been here to stay ever since. I respect this movie a lot, and it's definitely one of the best comic book movies ever made. Number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. Maybe this one is personal bias, but I think this movie is just so solid. Everyone loves Spider-Man, and when he's done well, it just feels so good. If you ask me, I'd call this the feel-good superhero movie. It fills you up with so many good vibes, just based on the writing and the performances. You know what? Yeah, maybe I am biased. I love Spider-Man and I love this movie and nothing's gonna change that and I have no shame. And the number one Marvel movie is Infinity War. You already knew that. I don't, you already, you could guess because I didn't, I didn't mention it yet. It's Infinity War. Yeah, you could probably see this coming like a mile away. This is my favorite comic book movie so far. I have problems with it like I do with any movie, but at the end of the day, I don't even give a shit. I saw this movie four times in the theaters. I loved it every single time. I just really like this movie. Everything that I've mentioned in this whole series has built up to this movie. Yeah, there were missteps along the way, but it really feels like it was worth the wait. At this point, I personally don't even care if the second part comes out. I don't think I could possibly like it as much as I like this movie, but who knows? Maybe I will. Either way, this is the best movie in the franchise, and I don't think anybody's gonna fight me on that. Alright guys, that's it. That's, that's all I got in me. This took a lot out of me, I gotta admit. I'm just glad it's over. It's a good thing there aren't any other companies that make movies like this. Or I'd probably have to watch those too. Man, I told you I perceive it as Shit. Hey guys, thanks for watching my big ol' video series. If you want to yell at me about how Ant-Man is a cinematic masterpiece and how Iron Man 3 is garbage, my Twitter is down there, so go crazy. If you want to support me in all of my future endeavors, the Patreon is in the description too. It'll be a little while before I do another multi-part series like this. I kind of want to cover the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, so I might do that one day. Plus, there are obviously some other movies with superheroes that would be a lot of fun to complain about. Anyway, thanks for sticking around till the end. I love you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, look, it's Stan.